What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain I've carried with me the expression, Hoka hey, today is a good day to die. And I've had that as kind of a mantra of mine to get to a place where I feel like I've lived the life that if today was my day, that I could go and cross that threshold with grace, with a smile. And so I wanted to think about what were the things that I would need to achieve before I died? And what are the things in general that people should achieve before they die. And this isn't a bucket list like you would see on a lot of other places where, well, I want to go pet a lion and I want to go jump out of a plane. And these are talking about some of the more fundamental metaphysical and spiritual truths that we are here to experience, as well as just the physical enjoyment of life itself. So I came up with the five things to achieve before you die and who better to bring on to discuss this with me than Eric Godsey. We did the game of life together. That was received so well by all of you. And I have so much gratitude for all the feedback from that. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one as well. It's maybe my favorite podcast with Eric. So hope you dig in, hope to hear from you. And if you want to follow along to the guide, go to aubreymarcus.com slash before you die. So here we are back again, Eric Godsey. Last time we did the game of life we did people dug it a little bit yeah yeah a lot was cool actually um and this time i came up with an idea of five things to achieve before you die yeah and really because every day we try to live like we're ready to die okay hey today is a good day to die that's the goal right so this was kind of my attempt at saying like all right what do we got to get out of this thing what do we got to get out of this experience before we fucking call this meat suit quits and go back game over back to the you know back to the source yeah um and so i tried to like come up with some thoughts so let's and it turned out to be fire thanks brother yeah and it's let's go over it let's test it let's poke at it let's see what uh see what we think and when i was really thinking about this you know the number one thing that i could come up with was to experience who you truly are I mean, that's like, you might, it might just be a one, it might just be like a one achievement list. Yeah. Because like that actually then facilitates pretty much everything else. But let's first, the first place I want to go with this is talking about like who you used to think you were yeah. and how the evolution of you personally, how you, how that has changed, your idea of yourself has yeah. changed. Huge question. And that's a great place to start. I think, and I was actually just explaining this to someone the other night. Because she was asking me why I do psychedelics and why 
I think it's a critical part of why I am who I am. And the way that I explained it was before psychedelics, and there are other ways to get here, but it's that most people think that the totality of what they are is their conscious mind, their ego. And what psychedelics show you is no dummy. <laughs> the ego is the movie screen, but there's a projector in the back of the theater and there's light coming through it. And that light won't die if you eat five grams of mushrooms, but that movie will flicker and go off for a little while. And so I used to think I was the movie. And now I recognize I'm the light and the movie and the person watching the movie, judging the movie, making a story about what the movie is. Mm. It's, you know, this is the classic deepest, you know, metaphysical understanding of being the observer. Yeah. Being the not only recognizing that you're the thinker of the thoughts, not the thoughts themselves. You know, and the, the witnesser the, of the, the thinker of the, the witness, thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> the witnesser of all of yeah. all the things. And that allows you to actually claim a certain amount of freedom because then you can actually experience who you are, which is life itself yeah. expressed somatically you know and that's what don that's how don miguel ruiz describes what yeah. we are. we're like we're life and love expressed through ourselves you know like we are life yeah and that is that is it it's not our body it's not our everything else like we're life yeah there's a metaphor that jung uses that like all the human psyche is a tree and all the individual humans are fruits of the tree and there's this energy that comes through the tree that makes the fruit but the fruit can fall off of the tree and the tree can die. But there's a thing in the roots that's eternal, that's constantly trying to make new trees and new fruit. And yeah, I think that there's a lot of us think we're just the fruit. And really a lot of us think that we're like one seed of the fruit and that's the seed that can get hurt. And that, you know, has a story about this is how I had to be to get my mom's love. This is how I had to be to get my dad's respect. And a lot of people will hold on to that and will live a life for 40 years inside of a story where they're trying to earn love from mom and trying to earn respect from dad. And they don't really ever connect to who they were. That's not me, bro. I've only been alive 37. <laughs> so, you know, you're wrong. I haven't done it for 40 years. Only 37 years of you're trying to get external validation, yeah. you know, because I've only been alive for that yeah. fucking long. All of us, man. You know, I, I think it was an interesting point for me, like experiencing who I was. And again, psychedelics played a huge role of that. Obviously, the first one I've talked about at that watershed uh, kind of rite of passage moment where I did my first psilocybin, yeah. you know, where my body evaporated and I recognized myself as a force of consciousness. And how old were you when you yeah, got to do that? Like 18 or 19, I guess. Uh, yeah, right after I graduated high school. And I was just reading about initiation rituals for young men in most cultures. And like yours is a classical initiation ritual where you're taken away from the family, isolated, sent off into the woods, right? Because yeah. that's what it was. And then you're given medicine that basically because what they do in other cultures is they tell the boys a secret or a story that they're not allowed to know until they get to that point don't tell anybody you touched my penis <laughs> yeah, well, they do that in some, <laughs> i know they do that in some God. horrible fucking yeah. cultures yeah yeah and but that it creates a significant wound actually is the way that it's explained in the book that i was reading and the wound you a you coping with the wound is what makes the boy the man, mm. you know? And you went through a thing that it, it was an ego death at 18, you know? And yeah. it would be awesome if we had a culture where people could actually get that. Well, that's what Aldous Huxley talks about in his book, 
island yeah. where they climb a mountain, which is the physical I love challenge that. of climbing the mountain as the rite of passage. And then they arrive at the sacred cave where the elders of the tribe of Pala you know, are gathered and they give a ritualistic dose of moksha, which is you know Aldous Huxley's imagination of what the ideal medicine would be, yeah. which is kind of like a mescaline. It's Wachuma slash, for sure. Yeah, it's probably Wachuma. <laughs> it's very Wachuma. <laughs> But that was like an integrated part of the culture. And, yeah. and I'm very fortunate. I wouldn't be who I was if it wasn't for my own rite of passage, which yeah. gave me that first like, you know, experience of, oh, wow, I'm more than my body. I'm more than the basketball player and the stats of that basketball player <laughs> and all that. And like, I could feel it somatically. Yeah. And there was no, no going back at that point because it's an undeniable knowing. Because if you haven't actually felt it or touched it, all of this is just theoretical right. and it may sound cool. But then when you know it like have the gnosis as as the greeks the greek word would yeah. be like where it's just actually intercourse with that understanding then that actually changes things yeah and then the next time all right so that was psychedelic experience one that really like <laughs> cracked open everything <laughs> one of 473 <laughs> <laughs> and then the 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 next part which was really interesting was on a boga the first time i did a boga as yeah. a spiritual journey and it showed me that i had three dominant parts of myself and the three dominant parts of myself, number one was mud body. And that was purely the animal itself. Yeah, so like it, imagine the animal without the self-awareness right. that human beings have, but like animals, you know, where you're just an animal body expressed, driven by your urges and driven by your instincts and, you know, kind of not really in your head that much. You For know, sure. it's just like an animal. And my animal wants things. Yeah, It has cravings, yeah. it has lusts, it likes foods, it likes sure. these things, it wants to heal, wants to procreate, wants to do... The, the mud body it has its own innate sense of desires absolutely and then there was mind boy which is what i called it <laughs> which was all yeah. my ego and identity and yeah. all the and and then there was my consciousness you know and i could really see mind boy was like this little kid like sugar feeding on like eating twizzlers and absolutely. starburst and trying to boss around the organism but really like my consciousness which is the eternal traveler yeah. the one that transcends this life and has lived in other lives before obviously i can't prove that but that's what it felt like For it sure. felt like the eternal traveler yeah that was the real driver and he's just kind of like okay whatever whatever mind you want to drive for a little while <laughs> is, you like where you're going yeah you're enjoying this because i'm ready to take over whenever yeah. and there was just these parts and that's what paul selig would call your higher self or being in the high room is it's just you yeah. know, shifting the identification to that higher perspective, the witness. And that actually brings up a really interesting uh, phenomenological point is that that thing seems to be so okay, like the higher self seems to be so okay that it will let mind boy and mud body run the motherfucking show <laughs> yeah. if they want to. And yeah. it'll just be like, okay, that's fine. And there's this weird thing that I've been seeing since I've started working here in both my life and people around me. And it's like, if mind boy finally gets to a point where he's willing to claim, I want to be X in this life, it's like the higher self is like, finally, okay. And then it starts to organize trials and challenges and tribulations for mud body and mind boy to go through to become what they claim that they want to be. Yeah. And that's one of the scariest ideas that I've come across the last year. It's like, it's it's the ancient myth of beware what you wish for. Absolutely. You know, like I, I whisper into the heavens, you know, like 
lead me to my highest consciousness. I want to be free and I want to be fit for service. And the heavens are like, you sure? And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. and I'm like, yep. It's like, you don't even know, but here we go. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, grueling internal emotional trial, sometimes right. physical, like getting my face split and whatever, yeah. but mostly internal emotional yeah. trials that help actually facilitate that. And only in hindsight, do you recognize like, oh, thanks for that. Oh, okay. I'm grateful yeah. for that. Um, and even the people who I call into my life, you know, and then like my partner, Whitney, you know, like nobody truly, and I'm and I'm at this point of deep appreciation because nobody truly could both inspire that much love and kick my ass that hard. <laughs> right. They're real. Like I really believe that there's nobody who could do both other than her. Yeah. And I call that relationship in like someone who can inspire me to like burst into tears of love and also spiral me into the most deranged mind boy mania, yeah. <laughs> you know, as well at the same time. Yeah. And that's a fucking incredible blessing to like, but yeah, is it is it easy all the time? Fuck no. You yeah. know, and, but I know then that like, is it fair? Yeah, because you know why? Because I asked for that. 100%. I'm asking to to become the best. And it's happening painfully, but then ecstatically sometimes as you burst through and make those breakthroughs in it. And you're like, oh, oh, it's working. Yeah. It's all working. Yeah. It's, it's like the higher self made all of the dragons and yep. put the dragons all across the video game. And it's like, you said you wanted this treasure. Okay. Dragon, 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 dragon. And, you know, it's some people would rather not ask to be anything and then live in their depression, mm. you know? But it's, it's like, it's, it's the flip side of having a life full of meaning is that you are going to be torn open over and over and over and yeah. over. And also knowing that sometimes the depression is the path. Mm, yeah. You know, like, sure. like you can't say anything is the diversion from the path. It's all the path. There's just different ways to learn. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that there is a type of person, though, that's trying to not to play the game. Sure. You know, and they're almost they're like opting trying, out. Yeah. Yeah. Then that can be distraction, perpetual addiction, action, addiction. Yeah. You know, depression, which is a surrender to hopelessness, and right? Like a surrender of your own power, which is what I feel like when I'm depressed. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like I can't even do anything. I don't want to do anything. It's just giving away all my sovereignty, all my hope, all my faith, all my trust, everything, yeah. all my, all my power, and just surrendering it. And then that gives me takes me off the board for a while. And that usually comes from, you know, comes from a variety of sources. But a lot of times, it comes from my own judge. For sure. That's like saying that I'm not worthy or I'm not capable or I'm not. And the know. judge would be a part of Mind Boy, right? Like, it's, oh, yeah, it's totally. one of the programmers of mm -hmm. Mind Boy. Like, mm -hmm. mom and dad were the first programmers of Mind Boy. Yeah. yeah. And the school kids and the society, yeah. at, society at large. But then, all right, let's talk about, all right, if we're talking about, all right, before we die, I want to achieve the truth of who we are. Like, we got to talk about what these moments feel like, you know, because otherwise this doesn't make sense well why go through all this hardship is what we're talking about we're talking right. about a lot of hardship yeah. like what's the payoff well okay what's the payoff for you like yeah. when you experience the truth of who you are <sighs> what does it fucking feel like man so truly it, it feels ineffable but that would make for a very boring podcast so if i had to try to effable it 
it would be that in Empty. those don't f it up don't f it up i won't because <laughs> it'll be in truth okay so those moments and when you feel it you have a knowing that all of the tribulation is worth this moment and the feeling is something along the lines of um everything in my conscious field which amounts to the world is in love everything is okay i am capable of helping everyone uh, that I know and myself. And uh, there is a thing behind the, the universe that is loving and here, and uh, it's all worth it. Yeah. You know, for me, it's uh, these moments where I, I you know, I, I've carried a heaviness, a heaviness of my expectations for myself. And, you know, I know that I, I've known I was blessed from the fucking drop. You know, I had wise parents. I had financial resources in my family. I had, you know, this body, you know, that was capable of learning sports well and adapting to writing and communication. And I know the gifts I've had. And with that, I've come with a huge high expectation right. of like what I needed to accomplish to actually be worthy, be worthy yeah. of the blessings that I've had. I feel that too. And, and also this kind of, idea of how hard it was to actually get there and all the manipulations of people's thoughts about me that i've done through kindness and in all kinds of different ways yeah and i've carried that and for me when i experience the truth of who i am it's a place of not needing anything else anymore it's a place of right. radical like abundance wholeness wholeness yeah. and and balance and where that that kind of nagging ache on my heart like is everybody happy does everybody love me like that's dissolved yeah and that heart is like bursting open and oftentimes for me when i reach it i get tears in my eyes for because sure. i think <laughs> there's been so the separation as you collapse the gap of separation you pour through the like the delusion comes it's almost like you're taking a foggy sky and you're condensing it to the rain which falls out of your eyes and then cleanses you and then wow. and then you're open to actually feeling it and it can be in love with a person like with Whitney or with Savannah or with you know one of my friends or or it can be just in nature or it can be by myself yeah. or it can be and sometimes it feels like that and sometimes it's absolute hilarity and playfulness yeah you yeah. know where i'm just laughing and everything is so funny and it, you know it reminds me like muji the laughing buddha mm -hmm. where like even the problems seem so funny yeah you know and it's just and i know that when i'm really there hilarity is going to be riding with For me sure. all the time and my heart being open is going to ride with me all the time and probably won't be quite so many tears because i won't have to collapse that density of clouds <laughs> hopefully yeah. you know but still i'll be so available yeah. and open to all the all the feelings and it's just deep harmony and peace and there's this sense when i'm in it that it's there is this sense that this thing that i'm experiencing is always like so close to my daily living but i'm not connected to it yeah like it's right there in the room with me <laughs> but i'm not connected to it most of the time you know it's but, like there's a vagina <laughs> wait and it's the perfect vagina and it's just waiting and it's wet and it's enticing <laughs> and it's just beckoning you towards it and like only when you have the 
know who you are enough to get that <laughs> I know boner. Who I am in truth. <laughs> yeah, you know who I am in truth, and you can bone her up and slide right into it. And it's like, yes. It's always there in the it's room. It's always there. Yeah. You know, but most of the time we're like pretending we're impotent and yeah. we're, you know, pretending afraid. We're and, impotent. Yeah, that's a good metaphor because <laughs> we have it. Yeah. We have it and we don't claim it. Yeah. The vagina of love and life and <laughs> happiness is there, is there, is there. Yeah. And so, all right, so people, people, we've talked about some of the ways, obviously psychedelics have been a big tool and yep. then understanding, awareness, you know, like all of these things, you know, a lot of the stuff we talked about in the game of life, like a lot of that is clearing different areas of awareness, knowing your shadow, knowing all of these forces, all of the ways that the clouds form and all yeah. of the densities of the clouds, that is actually very helpful. And like, I think can't really be, I can't personally ignore the clouds and just be like, nope, no right. clouds, yeah. straight to the sun for me. I have to like get my mind straight yeah. too. I don't think anyone who is honestly self-aware can ignore the clouds. Like yeah. the positive vibe only mantra does not work for human nature. We have clouds. And I think the way beyond is through, not around or denying that it's there. Yeah. yeah. And I think like to meditate, really what I'm finding is like to try to be in radical truth with people you love is one of the most powerful yeah. fucking meditations. Really, it's what psychedelics does for most people for why it's helpful is it helps put the ego in its place. What I'm finding, especially witnessing y'all, is that truthful relationships with people you love if they're committed to being in truth and you are too put your ego in its place just as radically as five grams of mushrooms will oh absolutely the the most challenging and most rewarding ceremony i've had is open relationship with whitney yeah like there's no doubt fucking i mean you see me i come in every day and i'm pretty <laughs> open sharing these things yeah and you know even yesterday you know there's like man lessons and once you start to know that you don't have to hide you have no shame Right. Like you don't have to hide the things that you're feeling and you can just observe them and be the witness. Like, all right, so let's talk about yesterday what came up, right? So Whitney's, the her new love, a guy she genuinely loves is coming into town and I'm not going to see her for three days, right? So I was, I've been reconciling that obviously for a while and really truly believing my own thing that I've been espousing the whole time that love is in abundance and you can love multiple people. And I've expressed that because I love Savannah and I love Whitney and I've loved other lovers and I know that love is in abundance. And I know that when a parent has a second child, they don't love the first child half as much, but still I've been going through all that 100%. shit, right? Mud boy don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. what my boy is saying. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, all right. But anyways, we've been reconciling that. And then, you know, I, I realized that Whitney and her current new lover are taking all my friends to a concert and they're all going to go out to this concert tonight and I'm not going to go and I'm going to be like sitting around. I mean, I'll, I'll do something tonight. I'm sure I'll fucking find something fun or do nothing or read or whatever. doesn't matter. But there was this fear that came up like, oh man, what if he just comes in and replaces me entirely? <laughs> Which is such an irrational <laughs> right, fear, right? Yeah, but it's I like, totally hear you. But yeah. it's like, well, here, maybe, maybe that, maybe he just takes over for me in, in total. And then, like, and then I was like, that's a really funny fear. That doesn't make a lot of sense, yeah. you know. But you just observe it and you witness it, and it's like, oh wow, I, I guess there's some a little bit of faith that I need to apply that I am uniquely irreplaceable. 
just as who I am, you know, not because of what I do. And I think, I think that's the other part that started to unravel is you get so identified with your function. Yeah. Right. So he's coming in, he came up with an idea to go to a concert. I'm kind of like the social coordinator, right? Yeah. Like the kind of like, I'm going to lead us into, sure. into both debauchery and spiritual, <laughs> spiritual realization. And that's kind of my role. Well, he's I coming in to this. and doing that and sleeping with my fiance. And I'm like, did I just get fucking replaced? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then realize like, oh no, I, I can't be replaced because I'm not a function. I'm not just the guy who organizes things. Right. I'm not just the guy that plans stuff or the guy that sleeps with Whitney or the guy that does this. I'm uniquely me. And especially when I'm out of the clouds, because yeah. if you reduce, like we're not, we're not our function. We are who we are. And that's what makes us irreplaceable. And that's also the same thing that gets you through worrying about like, well, is the sex going to be better with that guy? Well, it can't be better. It can be different. It can have a different uh, function. It can have a different, it can touch different cells maybe. Right. But if I'm uniquely being me in intercourse with my lover, that thing is irreplaceable. 100%. Intercourse itself, whether it's through friendship or laughter or yeah. whatever, is an irreplaceable thing. And so you can't get replaced. Yeah. You know, it's not you can someone can choose something different right but it's not like a one for one but when we reduce ourselves to functions like we do and look that's what like jobs do right for jobs sure. are like this is your title yeah i can replace this is your what function. makes you worthy yeah i can replace your function in this job you're fired yeah you know but it's we're not that not as right. people you know you can never actually replace a person you can yeah. replace their function as provider as blah 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 as blah 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 as lover blah blah for blah sure but not ever the person. And that's what, man, that was like, I learned that last night. And I knew that, right? But like, but really <laughs> understanding like, yeah. oh man, I can't be replaced. You know, I could, they can choose something else. People could choose not to hang with me. Okay. But, but me being me as my son, all right, that's unique. Exactly. And that's fucking freeing. Yeah. And I feel free today. Freer in, freer in some regards than I ever have. Yeah, you're, each day, you know, any day that you can claim that sentence, like you're on the right path. No doubt. No it, doubt. And yeah. it redeems, it redeems all of the struggle right. and all of the challenge of it. And the thing that I witness that uh, seems to be making itself more apparent to me is that the ego is an evolved function. Like it, it exists in the mind because it served a purpose. And it seems to be that before we had self-aware consciousness, we as a monkey had to function in a tribe. And we had things that we had to fill to be worthy of not being exiled and dying. Mm. And so I feel like what I witness, especially amongst like the level of people here, is that the ego function is never going away. Like I haven't met anyone in real life that has no ego I've, I've heard stories of these people but i've not met these people i don't know if that's real right and that's my hunch is that there is no person who didn't have an ego i think that there are people who tell stories about their mentors in a way where they don't have egos but i think that that's not being honest i think it depends on the definition of the ego i think they're talking yeah. about the shadow of the ego yeah and right? so i do think that there is a light function of the ego but the ego as a thing is like it's this evolved function that our meat suit developed to try to fit inside of a tribe and be of value not be yep. exiled and killed yep. and like what he is doing is challenging the meat suit of the chief role 
Like, and that's a piece of the ego that like, if the ego evolved to serve any function, it was to ascend to the level of chiefdom. If that, for me, right. For me, like I've always known, like, all right, what do you want? Well, for sure. It was like, I was looking up to conquerors like Alexander the Great and you Genghis knew. Khan. And like, <laughs> yeah. but I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Cause these guys are assholes and they're killing people. Um, well, I mean, Alexander the Great was arguably not an asshole, but I think you could probably say that Genghis was kind of an asshole. I don't know, but sure. whatever, it's all judgment. Yeah. They were doing what they were doing <laughs> at their time. But nonetheless, it was like, okay, well then it's, and, and politics has always been kind of gross to me. So yeah. I was always like, okay, well I need to stand up for ideas for like philosophy yeah. was always where I was going. And I always knew that. And I always had that natural. I was the captain of my sports team and I was, the leadership role was a mantle. And then, yeah. yeah so then this guy coming in and being the leader and then leading my people, I'm like, oh shit, yeah. am I, you know, am I going to get replaced <laughs> as the chief? And that was the role that the ego played yeah you know and i think is just part of the natural development and evolution of being a tribal organism right that is assessing these things and it uses fear which is one of our strongest motivators 100 to keep us from these dangerous yeah. scenarios which exile from tribe could have and often meant yeah. death and getting replaced as the 100 chief like what happens death, to the second chief? Death. Does the new chief like leave them around? They'll just like hang out. Slaughter. Fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you get replaced. You know, it's the Dothraki way. Like you challenge the Dothraki overlord. You dead. It's like one yeah. of you dies. Right. You know, and that's the old. That's the tribal archetype of that thing. But that in the new tribe that we're imagining. Right. That's not actually the case. Yeah. It's more like creating the Camelot Round Table where king arthur may still be king arthur but everybody's sitting on the round table anybody can take the lead yeah. and so it's blessing like oh cool another leader's coming in and taking over the weekend giving me the radical freedom to take off my fucking sure. chief's headdress and i could do whatever the hell i want i could sit at home and read paul selig's new book or i could go to the strip club and get <laughs> buck, buck wild by myself yeah. i don't know i could do whatever i want yeah. like i'm free to like remove that and then blessing that and enjoying everybody else's enjoyment, including Whitney's, including his, including, and knowing that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then, yeah. and that's when I'm remembering who I am. And then that's when I'm free. And that that's when I can bliss. be happy for that. Yeah. And the realization I've, for me recently has been like, I don't think the ego is the enemy. I think that we've, polarize the ego and we've only looked at the shadow side because mm -hmm. it's ruled for so long in our culture you know like in the 80s and 90s and now there's been this drastic overreaction to the ego but really to me it seems like the ego is this really adaptive program that was meant for like a macintosh in <laughs> 08 or like yeah yeah you know like it's it's an old program that's still in us that it's it's trying to help. It thinks we're in a tribe that if we don't fit a certain function, we die. Yeah. So it uses all of the emotions in our body to try to make us fit what was adaptive inside of a tree tribe 100,000 years ago or 200,000 years ago. And understanding its nature with the consciousness to try to steer it as opposed to just fucking condemning it or thinking that if you've beat it once, it doesn't come back. Yeah. Like it's like a if you have a meat suit, it's trying to run the program of the ego, but you have consciousness and you, and you can constantly, there's a pun in there, but I won't do it for the <laughs> listeners, that 
you can reprogram it, but it, it's like it, the reprogramming isn't a stable reprogramming. It's basically you've taken the commitment of I'm going to constantly have to mold this groove. Yeah, teach the ego. That hundreds, hundreds of thousands of years made it curve right. I'm going to in a lifetime try to just bend it just enough and then maybe my children and their children and their children can continue to bend it. And one of the things that I think helped that in the past were these rituals where you actually consciously transcend the ego. Like, Absolutely. Why do people put their hand in a glove of woven bullet ant stingers, right? Like yeah. the ego does not want to fucking do that. <laughs> It wants everything not to, but that's yeah. a that's a tribal, a legitimate, real tribal rite of passage. You can yeah. look it up. Where you, and it's one of the most painful rituals that you know that I can recall yeah. going through. But there's lots of these things, and what it is, it's like training you. The tribe wants to know that you're willing to endure pain, you know, so that you can transcend your ego, so you won't act selfishly when Always. you need to act collectively. Yeah. You know, and so people had ways to practice that and coach their own ego Absolutely. to orient themselves towards the greater good. Like, why, how did the 300 Spartans, you know, decide, say goodbye to their loved ones and their wives, decide that they were going to stand at the fucking hot gates and they were going to stay there until every single one of them fell? Yeah. It's such a crazy thing. Like, yeah. but. But you do that because you know that your love for the people is greater than this self-preservation instinct. Yeah. You know, and so that the heroic archetype, the warrior archetype, all of these are ways that you can reteach and transcend. And I think we're inspired by that because we're inspired Absolutely. by, you know, the release of that selfish need and priority of the ego to this more yeah. collective need and being willing to give up on what this personal sure. directive is and those were the people who were always the best leaders who were always the most loved became anyways. legends yeah they became the legends and i think it's because we all know the allure and the drive to want to give in to our animal nature and when we see someone who doesn't do it and who doesn't do it in such a way that like most of us know we wouldn't even have the courage to do it but we wish we were the type of person who would have the courage to do it those people become legends. And really what a legend is, is a story that will hopefully teach egos mm -hmm. in the next generation and the next generation. And I think like I put myself through my own initiation ritual by doing a bunch of psychedelics and just deconstructing my mind and really thinking about why the fuck am I, why am I even alive? Like yeah. why, what will make me worthy of the gifts that I've been born with? And really it's like, I want to live a life and this is grandiose, but fuck it. This is my truth. Like, I want to live a life that if I die, the story of my life will inspire other people. Like, it's not about this life. It's about all the lifetimes that could be after this one that this one could serve as a story to. And of course, I want to have orgasms and eat great food and have a great time. <laughs> but yeah. I, I want to do it in a way where when the last period is set, that it becomes a story that helps other people overcome the ego, you know? And that is getting back to experiencing who you truly are. Who you truly are is connected to all things. Yeah. Who you truly are is one node on Indra's net, one piece of the infinite prism of this diamond of existence, right? Yeah. And so to really know who you are, you have to know the perspective of who you are, which is a part of all source and a part. And like, that's what you have to know. So, all right, 
we don't get to go stand at the hot gates of Thermopylae anymore. Like that's just not part of our usually. I mean, there are still <laughs> some like you know soldiers and special forces who have very it's not important ours here mission. at this table. Yeah, yeah. But it, it and, and even collectively, it's rarer right. in our in our world. But so we can create these other opportunities, right? That can also be inspiring. Like my hot gates this weekend is to watch that little voice. It's like. I hope they don't have too much fun tonight. Anyways, yeah. I hope that concert isn't the best time anybody's ever had because you know I'm worried and I'm afraid that if they have too much fun, then I'm my value is less and you know my ego is going to want to push that. But actually, be thrilled for their happiness and yeah. be thrilled for their excitement. And if they come back and I reconnect with everybody, you know, later on in the weekend or Monday or next week or whatever, they're like, man, I had such a fucking awesome time and when i hear that it's not like oh no it's like <laughs> oh yeah yeah amazing and that is that's to me that's my challenge of really recognizing who i am and recognizing yeah. that and when and if if i'm able to achieve that then that's going to be so alluring too because people are going to see wow the new chief came in crushed it everybody had a blast and aubrey was fucking stoked for everybody and i love aubrey even more now because yeah. he was fucking stoked rather yeah. than being like a a little bitch who's hoping that <laughs> hoping that everything didn't go well right yeah. you know like or yeah. like hoping that when whitney hooks up with a lover like wasn't so good right you right. know like no I'm being good. like wow i'm so happy that that was fucking amazing and like that is my that is my transcending of mind boy and actually actualizing that force of consciousness yeah. that's happy for all of my other parts of myself expressed as other human beings and expressed <laughs> as the collective total yeah and i think the the really practical insight from that way of thinking is that wherever you are in your life right now when you are hearing these words you have something to face that's scary yep. and if you bring to it the type of fucking tenacity the 300 did when they went to war and you went and you faced the thing. And it might be trivial. And a piece of you is going to want to make it seem trivial so you don't do it <laughs> because you're fucking afraid. Yeah. But if you do it, and you do it over and over and over again, like in six months, you will have a brand new fucking life. Because people will not do the thing they know they need to do today because they're afraid. And they'll make up some like, oh, it's not important, or oh, I don't actually want that's, it. And that's and that's just pulling yourself out of battle, right? Like, yeah, oh, it's okay if the Persians come and run Greece. <laughs> yeah, know? it's like, yeah, they'll probably treat our they'll probably treat our <laughs> wives fine. <laughs> you know, like everything will be fine. Yeah. And, and and to me, that would be like being like, I don't really love Whitney that much, anyways. And, right. You know, like that's uh, just know, fucking playing small. People, that's playing small, and it's it's retreating. It's actually literally retreating from yeah. from the battleground that I have available to me, which is like, no, I fucking love her. And I love her love and like not pulling back. And I, man, I mean, I've pulled back so many times. For sure. Like in, in, in these five years we've been in open relationship, like most of the time I create safety, you know, and just engage with like maybe a little skirmish here or there with the truth and For with sure. my ego. But most of the time I retreat and be like, yeah, you know, whatever's cool. You know, if she loves me, she doesn't love me. You know, I'm not that invested in it. Nah, that's not the fucking Absolutely. courageous way. That's not the hero's way. The hero's that's way not is, authentic. It's not authentic because it's not real. It's playing games to protect myself. 
to a certain degree. So, and we all have that opportunity and that could be anything. It could be like singing your song literally. Like, oh, who cares about singing anyways? Right. Who cares about playing this instrument or writing this thing or making this book or doing this screenplay or being like Stephen Pressfield who talks about who knew he was a writer, but he's out picking fruit and like distracting himself, you know, with his shadow career because, you know, he was withdrawing from the battle, which was here, I have medicine to give. People will spend their entire life, all of their vitality, weaving a story to keep them from doing the thing that they already know they are meant to do here. (laughs) And they know, like, it's so weird. But if you look at someone in the eye and you say, you know that thing that you should be doing that you're not doing? I have never looked someone in the fucking eye where I couldn't see that they had a thing right away. Yep. Like right away. <laughs> we all know it, you know? And we will just weave a lifetime of bullshit to not <laughs> face the thing that we know our soul is here to do. And really just comes down to fear. Like we're mm. afraid that we won't be good enough or we won't be worthy of love or mom and dad won't approve or the person that we love that we are trying to win won't think that that's the thing that deserves them to be one, whatever it is. But it's fear. And it's like we erode who we truly are, or we erode the connection with who we truly are each day that we choose to retreat yep. and not to fucking go to the gates. Yep. And it's it's based on this identification as the mind boy, which is in constant need of validation. Feed me. Yeah. yeah like constantly yeah. needing validation. And I had that real strong recognition that that's like, that's so much of everything that we call love like all the parts that we call love and all these things a lot of it is just our need for validation right. from another person like i've been the the one of the biggest validation addicts <laughs> that i can now in hindsight looking at yeah. myself i've been one of the biggest validation addicts that could ever be you know constantly needing validation particularly from my lovers yeah and that was part of this thing that i masqueraded as love when actually genuine love is setting them completely radically free you know and allowing them to be in love with however whomever whatever actually generates the most love yeah in the world i'm actually going to try and pull up that uh poem that i just wrote and released and some of you might have read it It'll take me a second but it's called uh five of a million love poems yeah, and to fill the air while you try to find that, uh, the thing that came up, like what I'm witnessing now, especially being around you guys, is, and just, I'm like, the way that I approach a new subject is I go buy a bunch of books on it. And I'm starting to really pay attention to relationships and love. And like, what I'm seeing, especially now that I'm trying to pay attention to it, is most people's relationships are the dysfunction that they inherited from their parents about what made them worthy of love. They have found a partner that reflects that dysfunction. And then they're both dysfunctioning at each other. Like they're yeah. dysfunctioning, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. at each other. Yeah. And most people, the moment that they find that the partner stops fitting their dysfunction, they break up and they find a new partner that fits the dysfunction in the or same they've way. Sat, or they've sucked all the validation they could <laughs> from that person because there's no end yeah. to the validation. It's the yeah. person who it's a black needs hole. to feel rich and needs to drive a fancy car they will never be able to buy enough fucking Rolls Royces to fill that hole. 
because the validation oh, of it will the external validation will never actually constitute a genuine understanding of who you are the person who's constantly needing the love and affection of their lover will never actually get enough of that from that person especially yeah. if they entrap them with all these rules and things and and they're stuck and then and then all of a sudden like well i'm not getting any more validation because this person's kind of stuck anyways yeah. and and uh, you know so vampiric the the whole external thing doesn't work so let me let me read this this poem here it's called five of a million love poems a million love poems about some girl written by some man but maybe five probably three were actually to the girl. The rest were written to himself, the craving to feel worthy, the chase to corrupt chastity, the validation of virility, the challenge of changing status, the imperative to procreate. But to love the woman beyond the self, you have to see the woman beyond what she makes you feel about yourself. To see her sovereign beyond possession, a wild woman, untamed, unchained, unclaimed, an alpha wolf who sometimes might choose to moan in your bed or stroke the hair on your head. Real love is man's greatest challenge. Take the journey if you dare. Cast away your shiny lures. Leave the charming spells unspoken. Just hold. Hold. The real you the whole truth, steady, stable, faithful, but not the way the stories say, more like Shiva as he lay, a smile spread across his face because he knows without a doubt that no matter where the woman lay, his soul nests inside her. We should just stop there. <laughs> you know what I'm, uh, and I do think... a. Uh, a thing that I want to highlight that that poem really connects to me is something that you wrote about in the newsletter. But the thing that is the true essence of man, the thing that he is faithful to is love itself, which is what God is to the Bible. You know, and you, I've never heard it explained like this and it really sparked something that's probably going to end up changing the way that I date people for the, re for the rest of my life. I'm sorry for anyone, for anyone <laughs> listening who's, uh, committed to me being monogamous, but <laughs> that the idea of agreements about what makes love conditional is like a fundamentalist interpretation of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And the idea that the Bible is trying to point at is something beyond the Bible, beyond all the rules, all the letters, all the sentences, it's God. And the thing that the true man is faithful to is love itself, the idea, not the words, not the agreements, not the conditions. And I just want to like thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah, brother. I mean, that was a that was a big revelation and a, and, a, and a metaphor that really made sense because in fundamentalism, they're worshiping the words of a book. They get it just as wrong as the atheists. <laughs> right, yeah. right. They're worshiping the words of a book when God is there the whole time being like, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. You want to look around? Yeah. It's I'm in like, the trees. I'm in the fucking <laughs> exactly. butterflies. I'm in the wind. I'm in your lover. Yeah. I'm, I'm here if you want to worship me, you know, or you can go back to the book. And the same thing in relationship, you can go back to the agreements and the expectations and whatever rules that you might have that define what makes 
this thing work or what makes this thing worthy, what makes this thing love and this proof of love courtroom drama that we're always right. in, which is really trying to find proof of not love and then bringing that evidence to bear and then allowing the judge to judge whether it is or it isn't. Or you just go to love itself and just feel it and recognize that it's there. And then it's stable. And that is what you know you would call the divine masculine. That is Shiva, that image of Shiva laying on his back with a big smile on his face as Shakti, you know, the expression of creation itself, the wild woman with the hair and the tongue sticking out and the heads of severed men, women, and all the chaos of life is just dancing on his chest and looking like at deep peace, you yeah. know, at love with creation. Like when I was in ayahuasca and I was speaking with the divine archetypes of creation and spirit, and spirit came to me and said, let me tell you the greatest love story ever told. And, and then just showed me spirit and earth and manifest and atoms and actual physicality and like how that is the love story. It's spirit and creation in love yeah. always. And and that is each of us, like if, if we want to take this a step back, like our true essence is intermingling with our body essence which is spirit and matter. Yep. And this is our experience. Like the reason we get the game of life, the reason we get to do the hero's journey is to experience all of this. You know, like we are the greatest love story. Yep. You know, and then <laughs> yep. we get to love inside of the love story. Yep. And it's like the greatest love fractal story ever told. And that vagina is always there. Everywhere. <laughs> always there. The penis and the vagina are everywhere <laughs> at, at, all times. at all times. And it's us and them. Yep. Well, that's just one of the things to achieve before you die. All right, let's let's go through the rest of the four here. We're gonna have to do it at a twice the speed. <laughs> well, as as expressed, number one, I think is is pretty much ninety percent of the game. But yeah, all right, number two, overcome your fear of death, because this is one of those things that we all have to grapple with. This is like the master fear, and it's an inevitability yeah and there's some people who are trying to like cheat the game like kurzweil <laughs> and like fucking escape yeah. the inevitability yeah. of death uh, but they're forgetting the truth about death which is that it's already an illusion that it's just the passing from this life to another experience and that that thing is something that like you can psychologically grasp but yeah. until you experience yourself yeah. as the force that could transcend this meat suit, yeah. this mind boy, but as something that transcends that. And in and you know, I think as they say, like that which strikes the shell of the oyster does not strike the pearl. Right. right? Like, all right, yeah, the meat suit could be taken away at any point. You know, someone could drive by on at windows right now and meat suits could be <laughs> obliterated here for us we will not put out that <laughs> but uh, but there's a part of us yeah that will not go will not go where the meat suit goes which is an evaporation back to all things and this actually brings up a lot of shit for me that i went through when i did vilka in peru and mm -hmm. basically the day before I left to Peru, I kind of had this aha realization. I don't even know where it came from, but I was at dinner with some friends and I was thinking about my greatest spiritual trauma. I was like seven 
And I had been introduced to the idea of heaven by people who didn't really understand it. But they told me like, you know, if you, or when you die, if you do everything right, you go to a place where you will live forever. You will always be in love. And I remember going to bed that night, really trying to think about what it meant to live forever, for it to be eternal. <clears throat> and I just started crying, like, cause the idea of eternity scared me so much that I, like, I, it felt like I almost broke my brain. And then I would pray to the God that was promising me this outcome to help me not think about it so I could fall asleep. And I did this every night for almost a month. And then I just stopped doing it, like it vanished. I realized that my insane atheism in high school, where I thought I was being a crusader of truth, was really me rebelling against the possibility of there being any type of metaphysical truth that would mean that any part of me would be eternal. <laughs> And a part of me, knowing I would experience Vilka, it's like my brain was like, this is what you're going to face, dummy. So Vilka, for those who don't know, it's it's translated as the sacred. And it's a combination of NNDMT, 5-MeO-DMT, and bufotenine. And it creates one of the most, I, I would say the most powerful natural plant psychedelic experience that's available yeah and it's snuffed up through the node we did it with don howard down in peru and it's part of the sacred ancient chavine tradition and that is to me dmt more than any of the other pantheon of psychedelics actually gives you a taste yeah. of that eternal part of yourself especially the five meo dmt like that actually allows you to go like whoa here i am in unicity and God damn, it feels good. It feels like every ecstatic cry, orgasm, smile, laugh, you know, pain, everything all condensed into one. And holy shit, yeah. does that feel good. But man, is it a lot to hold. Yeah. You know? Mine did not feel good. And the way that Don Howard explained it is that this was a tech or this was a technology that the shamans used to teach the shamans how to die. Mm. Like this was a technique or a technology used to help people learn how to die. And my experience, you know, it's ineffable. So you can try to put a story around it, but basically it felt like I was in eternity, but there was no I, there was no ego. And it felt, it felt like my ego was like a hundred miles behind me to the right on the floor, screaming and crying, like just completely unable to comprehend what was being experienced. But then it felt like there was some part of me that I can't explain, but was facing the experience and was just whispering love, mm -hmm. love, love. And like Hamilton Morris in his 5-MeO-DMT right? yeah. episode where he does 5-MeO-DMT and he's really actually embarrassed about it because he's just sitting on the, lying on the banks of the river yeah. after doing 5-MeO going love, love, love. Yeah love and i feel like i have a dichotomy in my mind where there's plato and there's aristotle and plato is the mystic and aristotle is the scientist and the scientist is like no you die but plato especially after vilka is like oh mm. there is a thing that you don't understand with language that seems to be something that even in the face of oblivion is invincible and, and, you know, it's all a hypothesis. I'll find out when I die. But I now have an experience that I never had before that I feel like is it's the ultimate pr 
preparation for that death moment. It's a knowledge of that place. Like, yeah, empirically, we can't prove it. You know, like, I get that. And I think there's things that are going to be beyond what we can empirically prove through science. But then there's a knowing. So if, like, people people ask, like, do you know what happens when you die? Like, I'll look them in the eye and be like, yeah. (laughs) You know, but but don't believe me. Like, I'm not saying, like, I know and you should take my word for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, go see if you can find that place yourself if you like and it can come many different ways it can come as satori it can come through this spontaneous you know recognition that can be facilitated in a, in many different ways yeah. and you hear about stories of these things happening through multiple different disciplines it just seems that psychedelics are a more probably reliable. more reliable and predictable way yeah. that that the people who are ready at the right time in the right setting with the right medicine the right place when you're called to it all those caveats like can give you this experience where you have a perspective on death that actually can help you eliminate the fear and so that death becomes something where it's like oh yeah that would be a shame because i love physical love i love everything that you described earlier orgasming tasting food and drinking coffee and laughing with friends and but there's something else beyond this physical experience that will exist and quite likely obviously we don't have this purview but it certainly makes a lot of sense to me that we get another chance you know when we choose or i don't know exactly how the mechanism works for sure but there's other chances at physical experience and physical love and that is this idea of reincarnation but i i don't i don't buy into personally i don't buy into this idea that it's just like this wheel where you just go back out and then you're just thrust back in i think there's a, a lot more will there's a lot more choice yeah into that kind of experience and there's a lot more like okay i'm choosing to go back into the fray i'm choosing to go back and engage with polarity and it's going to be rough it's going to be a hell of a ride it's going to have its ups and downs but there's more to learn in this playground of life that i can bring with me to the never-ending thing you know like as the guides from paul selig said the guides which are these discarnate entities if you believe that and you believe that what's coming through paul selig isn't paul selig and there is actually this force if you believe that the guides say you know there may be an end but we haven't found it yet damn so even the guides are like (laughs) this thing keeps going you know yeah and and when they talk about what they they do miss the physical love the rain on their skin and the and the engaging with other people but they're also in this you know discarnate state of bliss and also you know maintaining some self-awareness because i think i also thought for a long time i thought like you died and then you just kind of you had a cup of water and that was you and then you just poured it into the ocean there was just ocean so right. you were just part of like life and i think right. that's almost like a i do believe that can exist where you just merge completely mm-hmm. back with the oneness and i think that coincides with that point at the big bang where like everything gets drawn back into the Whoa. unicity where all things like god is one right. thing homogenized no longer differentiated just a force of energy maybe the size of a thumbnail and god is just that thing <laughs> yeah. and there aren't the differentiation right. of personalities and wills and choices and the fractals it is just the densest form of light and love and life and everything all compressed and that is a death of your distinction <laughs> as a piece of that but that is kind of the second death and that's also not to be feared, yeah. you know, because 
you know, five MEO gives you a little taste of that. I feel like too, whereas like regular DMT gives you a taste of like death one, and then five <laughs> MEO can give you a taste of death There's two. Levels to death <laughs> There's levels to Life death. Life and death. Yeah, and but it's all just a release into something yeah. greater. It's a release into the biggest part yeah. of what we are. And I think like if you're listening and you're an atheist and this isn't making any sense to you, I think a completely practical way to approach this is you will die. And how you die affects everyone who loves you who is still alive. And taking a psychedelic can help you at least prepare to have grace in that moment. Because the way you die is going to be a wound on all the people that you love. Like if you die with no grace and you're fucking bitter and resentful and not connecting to the people. Scared. Fear. You will leave a wound on your children, on your lovers, on your friends. And the thing about psychedelics, and there are other ways to do this, but for me, nothing has come close. And if I try to give a caveat, I'm just not being honest, Mm -hmm. is that I think who I am now will die with a grace, God willing, or whatever, you know, (laughs) uh, that the dude I was when I was 20 would not have. And I think if you want to try to make that experience as healing, because dying with grace could could potentially be the most healing thing that happens to some of your closest relationships because you can it's so weird but like a person's life gets its meaning from the last period and like how you go out and like what you say to your son or your father if he's still alive or your wife or your daughter or whatever it is could set them up in a way that helps them reach their greatest potential. Well, it can, and also teach them not to fear death. Yeah. Like fear is something that's taught as well as something that's just felt, Contagion, right? yeah. Like, so like if you teach them, no, no, you don't need to fear this and you don't need to fear my death. Like yeah. I remember, I remember thinking about, you know, Don Howard is, uh, is sick now yeah. and he's potentially doesn't have too much longer in this physical dimension. And he's been like a grandfather and a mentor to me for many years. And I was riding on the boat with him out there and i was thinking like oh man like he's gonna be gone someday soon and then i connected to him i was on wachuma and i connected to him psychically and he just laughed in my consciousness and he goes where do you think i'm going brother where do you think i'm going i'm like that that was was like oh yeah oh yeah i know i know better yeah i know better i know where you're going you're always going to be there available just like my grandmother was just like and i tell it in this guide in the in five things to achieve before you die. I, I, I tell this story again of my grandfather who a um, grandmother who deceased the one who's tattooed on my arm how many times she's come to me in those moments where i needed her yeah. and when she's been available and and many many times not only under psychedelics but in dreams and psychedelics in visions and meditations like that's going to be there and i know that with my mom too you know and and my mom will always be with all these people that are that are special to me will always be with me and, and I will be there too. So it just diminishes this yeah. over this massive fear that by giving yourself perspective. And shit, there's a ton of other ways that we could get into this. <laughs> where obviously we can talk about each one of these things a lot. And the other thing is like the other thing I want to mention is you can use death as like a, a way to appreciate life a little bit more. Yeah. Like there's a scene from Troy, and I, I know I've told this before. But it's when Achilles, who is immortal, except for, of course, his Achilles heel, yeah. you know, he expresses that the gods are envious of the mortals. B 
because the mortals die and because everything is so much more special yeah. because they don't live forever because then every bit has this urgency has this like vitality meaning, to it and yeah. meaning and and that's the beauty of death is that you're not stuck you don't have all the time in the world in this one experience like there is a there's a shot clock on eric godsey and a shot (laughs) clock on aubrey yeah so play the fucking game yeah or sit in the corner and worry about when the clock's gonna run out or fucking dribble and shoot and fucking talk shit and smile and laugh and high five your teammates and you know play like play like a hero and i think that we our soul wants to play. Our soul wants to play the game. No like doubt. It's, it's why it's fucking here. And just a quick shout out, like just being around Don Howard was one of the greatest medicines I've ever had in my entire life to see, cause I've never really had a strong grandfather figure. And just to see that dude be like, it's the ultimate test. It's the ultimate testament that, what you do isn't important to how you do what how you're being mm-hmm. and just witnessing him yeah was fucking medicine so thank you yeah and you know he has a lot of logistics and a lot of legacy that he has he's taken care of but he is he's done you know he has no fear of death yeah you know so you and then so talking to him you know and when i've talked to him at length about the end of his life and like he knows where he's going. He's been to the, he's yeah. actually like been to the place. He's, he's, he knows where he's going and he's not afraid of it. And he's yeah. now just trying to, you know, with as much grace as he can, create the organizations that'll be para bien de todos for the good of all. And he's been able to orient himself to that through his life of service, which is yeah. fucking awesome and beautiful to see. I, I get this image and it's almost like as your life comes to an end, the gravitational power that emits from how you be grows in intensity. And it's almost like when you're at the end of your life, each moment, especially all the people there who understand it's the end of your life, it's like the each moment that you do, it has a stronger psychological gravitational power to it. Yeah. And like his is just, it changes the whole vibe of the fucking jungle yeah. around him. And it's great to meet people like that, you know, because yeah. then it then it recalibrates this kind of fear based paradigm. All right, let's get through these. Uh, <laughs> let's get through these other ones. Number three, love something more than your life. And we've talked about this already. You know, we've talked about this. This is when you know who you are. It's the surrender of the ego is basically what I'm talking about. Like the willingness to go to the hot gates. Like loving the the 300 Spartans love Sparta. And their wives and their yeah. children and their more than their life because they knew they weren't coming back and there's this great fucking uh book called uh king warrior magician lover and they talk about the difference between the hero and the warrior and that the hero is actually the infantile version in in their way of seeing it it's the infantile version of the archetype of the warrior and the hero is more in love with his own legend his own power mm-hmm. than the tribe the warrior is actually the mature version of the hero because the warrior serves something greater than itself. So like the hero might do something in battle for glory that might jeopardize the whole fucking tribe. Yeah, for more feathers in his war bonnet. Exactly. And the warrior will grab the hero's fucking cape, yank him down and explain to him, no, 
wait, this is what we do. This is what's best for the wife and children behind us. And I think for people who want to try to live, like who want to be fit for service, you can only be fit by being, by kneeling to something greater than yourself. You cannot be fit if you're the thing that you're doing it for. Yep. That's absolutely true. It's the, it's the transcension of the ego, which actually gives you such great peace, you know, and it's that it is the dedication to service to something. And I think we, we all, all of us have felt, you know, parents all feel that for their kids, you know, it's a parent. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and, and in the great love stories and in the great stories of patriotism and for the people and, you know, that's built in. And I think to really have lived, we have to know that there are things that we would be willing to die yeah. for. You know, and it I, calibrates the ego. It too. really calibrates it. And those are, again, the legends, those true stories, as Jordan Peterson would say. Like, why yeah. do people love fucking Braveheart so much? Because he's getting fucking his guts carved out on the torturer's table. And his last words were freedom. An idea that was more important than his pain, more important than his life, more important than that little romantic episode he get to got to have with the princess and he didn't even want to take the painkiller because he didn't want to go out with his wits numbed he wanted to yell freedom and of course this is a story right i understand that there's a real william wallace and i don't know how he actually died but the story resonated because it taught us that thing it taught us that oh to be willing to give your life for that thing which is greater which was freedom freedom for his people and freedom for the self and expression and the soul and your love and you know the removal of prima nocte and all that <laughs> shit that had been imposed by the structures yeah. of society you know like that is for everyone a part of it and mothers feel that for their their kids and we all feel that we do that for our friends and our and in the world and yeah. when we're there man it's it's fucking blissful you know it's like it's it's rich and alive and feels true and it feels like then we're remembering who we are and then we're not afraid of death and like it like <laughs> yeah all these things are kind of like it stacking. all clicks like yeah. all these things are stacking on each other all right number four know the world and this again the word no to me i'm going back to the greek word gnosis which is that intercourse which yeah we described, right another reason why we're here is to fucking do the things like try the different foods yeah like have the sex you want to have consensually please <laughs> yes. everybody 2018 yes like, but sake. like experience the things yeah like play have fun have, go travel do the scuba dive skydive do the things that you can only do here feel With what it body, feels like yeah. in the cold in the heat in the rain in the snow and like with with the yeah. self that we have like play ball like get in a sparring match like roll on the jujitsu mat like do the things yeah and like, also know the shadow yeah like no depression no anxiety mm-hmm. no fear because the more you know that that feeds directly into number five which is to share your medicine and it's what i'm seeing more and more here and just as i'm getting to know people more deeply it's it's almost like the deeper i get to know myself that then opens up my capability of knowing others at that level and it's like what i'm finding is that the thing that caused people trauma that them dealing with their trauma is what makes their medicine mm-hmm. you know and it's like you are going to incur wounds 
But those wounds, if you work with them, that is where your medicine is at. And like, mm. that's what all the myths show is like, the thing that sends you on the journey is not ever like, life is so good. I want to go <laughs> on a journey and fight a dragon. Mm -hmm. It's like, shit has gotten so bad, like, that I have to go face this thing. And I think that that directly feeds into number five. And I think that the reason we're here is to share our medicine. I think it's a, and it's a great, just to go back to the point you're making, like, yeah, you're right. Like, don't just know the positive side of things. Like, obviously there could be a world where we would, you know, you could imagine this, uh, you know, virtual reality where all things are just pleasant and positive and it's this kind of matrix take yeah. the yellow pill and it's all just <laughs> well that's not what we're here for we're no. here for the polarity we're here to be the child with his hand out the window feeling the ups and downs of the wind and to bless those feelings because the truth of the matter is like those things are beautiful too like even in the depths even in the depths of like some of my hardest struggles you know, in, in open relationship where I feel like, felt like totally eviscerated. Yeah. There was like a, a beauty to the depth of that pain, like a poetic beauty to it. Absolutely. That was priceless. And, and then, your poems are a testament to that. Like some of the most fire you've ever written. Was in those, shit was was in those periods. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to witness me in those. This is all in the past year, right? And, and to really recognize, and then, all right, let me think of the worst. Let me think of the worst times. Okay, worst times. One time I smoked dmt and i went to this place i call the void and in the void there was nothing there was no color there was no light there was no sense of being there was no sense of being alive everything was numb dull light brown that was it there wasn't a rock there wasn't a demon there wasn't a anything to fight and i've had some dark yeah. journeys where there's devils and hell and all kinds of like gnarly shit there's always a thing to do but there was i was fucking way preferable to nothing and it's yeah. the same with you know after i got in this car accident i got prescribed a lot of pain pills and i needed the pain pills well i took some you know after i was out of pain i was like oh i'm still in a little pain and i took like a little bigger dose and this was the opiate version I took a little bigger dose and i got really numb like more numb than i needed to get for the pain but it wasn't just numb from the pain. It was like numb from life. Yeah. And that was one of the worst feelings I've had. And I've had a hard year. But the pain itself, like even feeling my face hurt, was preferable to this universal numbness where I couldn't even generate an emotion that was good or bad. Yeah. It was just neutrality. And like that numbness is, I think, really the worst, the worst thing. And you can bless that too because it's going to shift you're not going to stay there but but blessing all of the struggles as well as all of the good thing knowing all of the the love and the loss and the longing yeah. and the gnawing and you know and then transmuting that and alchemizing that again like you said no matter what it was into medicine which to me was some poems or was some podcasts or even even writing this you know like a <laughs> lot of the wisdom from this has come from really dark painful times yeah. but then like looking back Man, those are some fucking powerful experiences that I'm grateful to have had. The opposite of love and life is not pain or hate. It's apathy, it's numbness, it's meaningless. Yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. And sometimes that feels like, oh man, that'll be a nice escape. And maybe temporarily as a little kind of, kind of crutch, you can 
It's like a timeout, just like coach. Yeah, yeah. I need a fucking timeout. I need a time. But then when you don't need that timeout and you go back to it, which is which is really the choice that I made. Yeah. I was like, "Ah, I don't really need a full timeout, but I could use a timeout, you know? So that it was just like, man, this really reminds me that everything that I was going through, both the physical pain and the emotional pain far preferable to the numbness because there's nothing to share from the numbness there's no medicine right. that i can give other than the medicine of knowing that the numbness is the right. enemy yeah. which in, in some way redeems the experience yeah. of the numbness but but it's really, almost like you can't alchemize a vacuum like, exactly there has to be some material there mm-hmm. for, yeah some force yeah. you know that you can use to drive you some resistance that you can turn to assistance or turn into turn into medicine and, and share and I think that that is like probably the most meaningful piece of alchemy that I can give people is whatever your trauma is. If you have the courage to admit it to yourself and then to share it in whatever artistic way your soul calls for you to share it, you will save at least one person's life. Mm-hmm. Like th- there are so many people who go through trauma who think it's only them who will never share it and who feel shame and hatred and self-loathing and depression. But if they see one person share it, like the greatest writers, the greatest poets are the ones who said the most vulnerable shit. You know, it's not the ones who write about how good the Mm. shit is. It's the ones that you go to read and you're like, I cannot believe they're writing this. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that they're saying this. But you can turn any trauma into medicine if you're willing to share it. as as art that's it share your medicine share your song sing your song and your song is always available no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter what you've gone through your song is still there and that's probably the most beautiful thing the guides say from the book of freedom is we sing your song for you until you remember the words and that's how you love somebody too and that's how you love somebody you just sing their song so this weekend you know as whitney's off with the, her other lover that she loves and having a blast like sing her song i sing whitney's song and i sing it with a fucking smile it doesn't have to be a ballad and a and a song of pain <laughs> and and longing like a country song yeah. that's all sad and shit it can be you know the true song the hero's song of her life and a life filled with love and joy and happiness and all the things and and sing each other's song sing our song and, and that in itself is is the medicine whatever your expression is you know and it's i know who i am i know what i am i know how i serve and how you serve is your expression is your song absolutely and then you're doing that then you're sharing your medicine it doesn't matter how big that song goes out to how many people are listening it could be just you you know just you by yourself singing your song you know in your shower because it's not just you and you it's mud boy yeah mind boy the true self, and all of the people you've ever loved are in you too. Your mom, your dad, your grandma, Don Howard, they're in you too. So when you live the life that you know that you're meant to live, even if you do it alone, you're not alone because all those people are inside you too and they are witnessing you right now. We're all piece of that collective. Again, it goes back to that recognition of the universality, the commonality that we all share. So there is no such thing. So your medicine can be served when no one is there. There's watching. always an audience. Yeah, There's always, a crowd. always an audience when no one is watching or when people are watching both, both at the same time. Well, shit, man, that's it. Five things to achieve before you die. Any, uh, any other 
final words as we wrap this uh wrap this thing up nope nope <laughs> <laughs> beautiful anybody who wants this uh we'll put we'll put this up at aubreymarcus.com uh before you die that done. sounds good to me done eric godzi you spell it with a z on instagram <laughs> i co- haven't changed it's confusing <laughs> <laughs> but everybody check them out i appreciate you as always my brother likewise man i i cannot say it enough yeah thank you my man and thank you everybody much love peace Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the podcast. Again, aubreymarcus.com before you die if you want to download the PDF. And please follow Eric Godsey with a CK and a Z on Instagram. He's a great friend and a wealth of knowledge, as you guys know. And the last thing I'll leave you with is just appreciation for listening, for tuning in. And, you know, there's a, a word in Quechua, it's called Aini, and it means reciprocity. And if you feel moved by this and you feel like it made a significant impact, The best thing that you can give is this experience for somebody else. So I would be in deep gratitude and I think paying it forward to anybody who you might think this podcast could be of service to, that is also deeply appreciated. Love you guys. I'll see you next week.